If you're just now joining us for, uh, we're kind of in the middle of a series called 50 Days of Transformation. A couple of weeks ago we talked about spiritual health and then we talked about um, our physical health. Last week we talked about our mental health. Today I want us to look at emotional, our emotional health and how to deal with how you feel. Last week we talked about managing our mind and our thoughts. Uh, this week I want to look at what the Bible has to say about emotions, how we can um, manage our emotions. We're not going to uh, eliminate our feelings or emotions, of course. But how do you deal with how you feel? And I want to begin by reading you one of the most, um, I guess, primary verses in the whole Bible. In fact, this is a the Great Commandment is one of the verses that our church is actually founded on. Um, and it's found a couple of places, three places in the Gospels. I'm going to read it to you out of Mark. And you've heard these words uh, literally hundreds of times. And you'll continue to hear them hundreds and maybe even thousands of times in the future. But I want you to just kind of listen to them afresh and anew, even though you know the words. It says in Mark 12, 29 to 30, Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And can you hear the emotion in those words of Jesus? Jesus is saying, I don't want you to just kind of love me. I don't want you to just go through the, uh, you know, just, just go through the motions of loving God. I want you to love God passionately with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. God wants a passionate, emotional relationship with you. He just doesn't want head knowledge. Yeah, I know God. I know Jesus, blah, blah, blah. He wants an emotional relationship with you that's full of feelings. Now, we have to understand a couple of things about emotions, a couple of things about our emotions before, before we kind of get cracking into how do I deal with how I feel. The first thing I want you to write down first is that, number one, God has emotions. Many people don't realize this, and depending on the religious background uh, that you have or the religious atmosphere you grow up in, maybe you don't realize, didn't realize that God has emotions. God has feelings. God is an emotional God. God feels joy, God feels grief, God feels pain, God feels hatred towards our sin. He has frustration with the people around him, just like we have frustrations with the people around us. Don't point at anybody. God has, has emotions, and in fact, the only reason that we have emotions is because God has emotions. If God wasn't emotional, we wouldn't have any, emo any emotions. God created emotions. He created our feelings, our ability to feel. So God's an emotional God. The second thing I want you to realize about emotions is my ability to feel is a gift from God. My ability to feel is a gift from God. Now, it might not always seem that way. It might not always seem like they're a gift. But even the negative emotions that we feel in our life, they have a purpose. The negative emotions even have a role in our life. Emotions are a great asset. They're the one things that make us human. Without emotion, we would be like an android. We'd be like a robot. It's our emotional ability that allows us to love. If you didn't have emotions, you wouldn't be able to love anyone or anything. It, our emotional ability gives us the ability to create, to be faithful, to be loyal, to be kind. 
to be to have emotions in all the good areas, all the good things in life. If you go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter one, that's the beginning. In verse 26, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So it's in our likeness, he says. The only reason we have emotions is because God gave them to us and because we are made in his image. So we're going to have to look at how do we deal with how we feel. And I want to look at why, why I need to manage my emotions and then get into, well, how do you do that? What does that look like in regular, real life? How do I manage my emotions? The first thing I want you to jot down is why, why I must learn to, to manage my emotions. The first thing is, and these are the three main points. The first reason is because um, my emotions are often unreliable. I'm sorry, we're going to get to the three points. This is before we get to that. My emotions are often unreliable. Have you figured this out in life yet? They can, my feelings can lead me in the wrong direction. And they often lead me in the wrong direction. How many times have you thought, well, I just know this is the right thing to do. I just, I just feel it in my gut. And then you do it. And later on, you look back with all this regret. Like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That was the wrong thing to do. And you, and you even say things like this. You say, what was I thinking? And, I'm, and I always want to tell people when they ask that, you weren't thinking, you were feeling. You went with what you felt, not with what you thought. And sometimes that can get us into trouble. Every one of us have done that. Some of us probably done that this week, right? You give a testimony? No, don't. Um, every one of us has done that. Our gut is often wrong. Our intuition is often flawed. Our emotions lead us down the, the wrong road to a blind alley. We cannot depend on everything we feel. Now, we don't get rid of all of our feelings, but we don't have to accept everything we feel as the truth. Because not everything we feel is right. Not everything we feel is even reality. Some of the things we feel about ourselves are, are just flat dead wrong. We talked about that last week. If you've grown up with these tapes playing in your head and you had somebody that says, you're so dumb, you're so stupid, you'll never amount to anything, you're, you, you'll, you'll always be a failure, you're so clumsy. If you hear that long enough, you start believing that truth, even though it's a lie, you start believing it as truth. We talked about this last week. Not only do you believe it, but what we believe changes how we feel, which changes how we act. So your feelings, if you've been believing lies, can lie to you because they're not based in truth. We'll talk about that when we talk about how do we control it. We say, I, I, I just, I just, I'm sure this is the right direction, and it's not. So we have to learn to manage our emotions. Proverbs 14:12 says, there's a path. Before each person that seems right, it feels like it's right, but it, it ends in death. So our emotions are not infallible. Just because we feel it doesn't make it true. Our feelings are often wrong and often guide us in the wrong way. So they're often unreliable. The second thing, second reason I must learn to manage my emotions is because I don't want to be manipulated. I don't want to be manipulated because of my feelings to doing certain things in life. If we don't control our emotions, they will control us. And we will be manipulated by our moods. And if we're guided by our feelings rather than truth, rather than what's right, rather than our commitments, what we've committed to, if we're always guided by our feelings, 
other people are going to be able to take advantage of us. And some people are very, uh, they're very good at manipulating your feelings. Proverbs 25, 28 says a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. It means you're defenseless if you don't have any self-control. Not only are we defenseless against the manipulation of other people, people who are trying to get us to do what they want us to do, but we can be defenseless to the manipulation of our old nature. We talked about this last week, that we have three enemies. We have the, the world, we have our old nature, and we have Satan, the devil, all ganging up on us to implant thoughts, to control our thoughts, because that will control our actions. And they also attack us in our feelings. Our old nature knows the moods that will get us to do certain things. And it just manipulates or flips our, whips us around with our feeling, puts us in a mood, and all of a sudden we don't want to do what we need to do. We don't want to have our quiet time. We don't want to read the Bible. We don't want to, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like being a good husband or a good wife. I don't feel like being a mom or a dad today. Um, I don't feel like doing what's the healthy thing to do, what's the right thing to do, because we're manipulated by our moods. This is one of Satan's favorite tools, is negative emotions. Uh, He'll throw fear into our, into our world or anger into our world or sadness into our world. And all of a sudden, you know, bitterness and worry and anxiety starts to kind of move us in the wrong direction. If we don't know how to manage our emotions, then we're helpless against the attacks of the devil and the manipulation of other people and even our own old nature. It wreaks so much havoc in our lives emotionally. So that's why we need to learn to manage it. So we probably don't have to spend a lot of time convincing ourselves that that's a need in our life. The question is how. How do we do this? What does the Bible have to say of how to manage? How do I manage unwanted feelings? I don't, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I'm tired of feeling this way. Well, we've got to do three things. Jot this first one down. In order to man- manage my emotions or to manage my unwanted feelings, the number one, the first thing that I'm going to need to do is I'm going to need to name the feeling. Write that in there. I'm going to need to name it. We've, what does that mean? I've got to figure out what is really, because really, sometimes we're vague in our feelings, right? We're vague. If someone says, well, what are you feeling right now? You're going to be like, meh. I don't know. I feel meh. It's, it's hard to deal with meh. You know, I, I've got to figure out, pinpoint exactly, and be specific to identify because it's difficult to manage a vague feeling. We can only change or control or rechannel something that we've identified. If we know the problem in our life, then we can pray about it and we can work on it. If we don't know the problem, we certainly can't work on it. And I think a lot of people are not as. They're not as in touch with their emotions as they, a lot of times, we're not as in touch with our emotions as we think we are. You may be a very emotional person. Maybe, maybe you're like the volcano in the room. You're always going off. You're very, oh, she's emotional. She just flies off, you know. You can be very emotional but not be in touch with your true emotions and why you feel the way you feel. Sometimes we get confused about our feelings. So I want to give you a couple of questions, two questions to write down in managing this first step of managing your emotions when you've got to identify or name the emotion, name the feeling. 
Um, if I'm going to become an emotionally strong person, I'm going to have to ask these questions. The first one I want you to write down is, why? What am I really feeling? What am I really feeling? That's the first question. And what I mean by that is we've got to scratch beneath the surface. You know, we want to get, get away with, well, what are you feeling? I'm mad. I'm angry. You know, um, but we need to scratch a little bit deeper and not just take that first answer. Because sometimes what we think we're feeling isn't what we're really feeling. It's not the real feeling. Sometimes we think, you know, I'm feeling a little bit down today. I'm feeling kind of blue. I'm feeling kind of discouraged. So I'm, I'm depressed. But we've got to get a little deeper and say, well, what's making me feel discouraged? What's making me feel, feel blue? What's making me feel depressed? Because our feelings sometimes mask us. Anger is a big one. I'm angry. But oftentimes what's underlying the anger is fear. I'm afraid, but I don't like being afraid, so I'll just be mad about, about what's making me afraid. Or I'm sad. I've, somebody's hurt me. They've hurt my feelings, and I don't, I don't deal well with sad you know, so I'll be angry instead. So it can be confusing. We've got to ask ourselves, what's making me depressed? We take a little bit deeper look. And it's like, well, maybe I got, I got criticized at work or I got a text, you know, or I got a rude email from my boss or I got a text from somebody or maybe I, I just got laid off. Maybe there's circumstances in your life and that's what's making you feel sad or depressed or fearful or angry. Or maybe it's an, I had an expectation. I thought today was going to go a certain way. I thought a conversation was going to go a certain way. I thought, you know, some sales proposal was going to go a certain way. And it didn't go that way. It didn't happen like I hoped it would, prayed it to, like I knew it was going to go. So we need to look and find what is the disappointment behind the, the sadness or, or behind the worry maybe. Maybe there's something I'm, I'm afraid of behind it. Sometime... We repress things, and we've got to dig it out. A lot of times, what we think is the feeling isn't really the feeling. We have to ask ourselves, what am I really feeling? I mean, maybe, maybe you're angry at your spouse, but the reality is you're not really angry at them. You're angry because right before you walked out of the door at the office, they dumped a whole lot of bad news on you, or they dumped a whole lot of change on, changes on you, or they said something and criticized something that you've done, or you got one of those little negative digs coming at you. And you come home, and you start taking it out on your spouse, you're taking it out on your kids. It's really not about them. It's not about you, honey. It's about, you know, the conversation that I had right before I left the, left the office. So what am I really feeling is the first thing we've got to ask ourselves. And then the second thing we've got to ask ourselves is, what are my triggers? What are the things that trigger an emotion? Ask yourself, what's triggered this? Are triggers... Our deal with our senses, sight, smell, taste, feel, hear. Sometimes it's something that, that we see. If you see something, if you drive by a place, places, I always say places have memories. If you drive by a place or if you see something and suddenly you feel very angry, you know, it might not have to do with where you are right now. It's your, that place, that visual is tied to a memory. It's tied to something that, uh, something painful that makes you hurt or makes you upset. Sometimes smells can trigger an emotion. Isn't this true? You smell a certain perfume and 
You can remember your mama. Or you smell a certain, you ever smell, you know, grandma's apple pie? You smell another apple pie and it, you can just, it just puts you right back to Christmas in 1977. You can almost remember what you opened that Christmas just because you smelled a piece of, of apple pie. It's amazing how smells have memories. They trigger emotion in our lives. It can be the sound of, uh, it can be something you hear. Um, you, certain words that are said, maybe that you heard growing up that can trigger an emotion. Um, music, a certain song that you hear, you know, can, can take you right back to, you know, the summer of 69, right? And, and you, you hear that sound, you hear that, that song. Our, our, some of you grew up with, sweetheart, our song, you hear our song. And, you know, depending on how things are going today, that can make you feel really good and romantic and reminiscent about, or maybe it makes you think of that person and it doesn't make you feel romantic and reminiscent anymore. Maybe it makes you feel angry or depressed or, or, or whatever because it reminds you of him. Uh, um, a sound can do that. Um, touch. When someone touches you, you can trigger an, a, an emotional response. Uh, taste. Sometimes what you taste is amazing to me. You know, I, uh, there's, this, there's this creamy macaroni and cheese that if I, the certain recipes of people, if I eat this, it takes me all the way back to preschool. So I was like four years old, five years old in, in, in preschool and only ate this macaroni and cheese that this worker made for us uh, every, just a couple of times. And I'm not talking about Kraft macaroni and cheese. I grew up with that all the time. That, 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 I remember my whole childhood with that. But, but t- just one thing you taste can take you right back to that special, that special memory. It can trigger. So we have triggers all in our life, and that can make me feel a certain way, depending on what I smell, depending on what I taste, depending on what I feel or sight or what I hear. So I want you to write this down. I can't tame it until I can name it. I can't tame it until I can name it. I can't solve a problem that I can't identify. So you've got to start by naming the emotion. It can't be meh. It's like, no, I'm feeling angry about this. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm worried. I'm, I'm bitter about this negative emotion that you're feeling. The second thing that you've got to do, once you name it, Number two is I've got to challenge the feeling. I've got to challenge what we're feeling. We don't just automatically accept it. Well, God made me this way, or I always felt. We don't automatically assume that it's accurate. We don't automatically assume that what we feel is the truth, or that it's correct, or that it's even reality. We've got to challenge it. And we've got to ask questions like, well, you know, are, are, are things really as bad as I, as I feel that they are? Probably not. Or are things really as good as I feel that they are? Probably not. That's kind of a life law. Things are never really as bad as you feel that they are. And they're probably not as good as you feel that they are sometimes. They're somewhere in the middle of that. So we need to ask ourselves some questions and challenge it. Now, King David wrote the Psalms. He often asked God, to challenge his emotions. And that's pretty smart because God understands us. God knows what we're feeling. God knows what's triggered it and why we're feeling that way. Often I'll tell my kids, I'll tell all of our uh, teenagers, I'll say, look, we, we, we should ask God, God, what do you want me to do? When you're making a decision, why do you ask God? God, what do you want me to do? Because he knows the right answer. He knows the future. Your pastor doesn't know the future. Your friends don't know the future. Your Facebook friends really don't know the future. 
So stop asking them those questions and start asking God, God, what do you want me to do? Because he knows the future. He knows you. He knows what's best for you. Same thing with your feelings. You can say to God, in fact, you should say to God, God, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. I need you to help me. Help identify what am I feeling and what triggered it. What am I really feeling? I feel angry. I don't even know what's making me angry. It seems like I've been angry since the third grade. You know, what's making me angry? And ask him to help you. David often asked God to evaluate his feelings. So because God's impartial and God loves you and he wants to help. Psalm 26, 2 says, David writes, he says, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. Circle motives and heart. And draw a line between the two of those. Those are your emotions. Test my motives and my feelings. Why am I feeling this way, Lord? So we ask God to help us evaluate it. Now let me give you three questions to ask that we should ask about our own emotions when we're trying to figure out how to deal with how I feel. Let's say you're Let's say you're angry, you're upset, or you're irritated, you're frustrated, you're depressed, whatever. You're worried. Ask yourself these three questions. Number one, what's the real reason that I'm feeling this? This kind of goes back to what we're talking about before. It might be fear. It might be worry. It might be uh, hooked to something that somebody else said. In other words, ladies, your husband can say something to you, and you go off the rails. And he's like, what? Uh, you know, I didn't, I, what? I didn't even mean it that way. And, and sometimes what it is is it's hooked to what your dad used to say in middle school. He always said that same thing. You couldn't fight back against dad in middle school because dad was a big, gruff, you know, blow your house down kind of a dad. And all of a sudden, you know, your husband says something for the first time, and you go ballistic. And he's like, but it's our honeymoon, you know. I mean, we just got married. I thought, you know, he's learning. And, and it's not even him. It's not even what he said or how he said it. It's that it reminds you and that rage can come almost instantly when someone says something that's triggered, tied back there. So I've got to ask ourselves, what's the real reason that I'm feeling this? Don't worry, ladies. I'll pick on husbands too. Don't worry. Because we do it as well. What's the real reason I'm feeling this? Second question. Is what I'm feeling even true? Is what I'm feeling even true right now? Sometimes we feel something and it's true to us. I mean, I feel it. But I've got to stop and ask myself, you know, is this, is this even a true feeling? There's a point, <clears throat> there's so many examples of this. One of my favorite characters is Elijah. Elijah he, he, he's, he's an emotional roller coaster, Elijah is. He literally has a mountaintop experience. He's on Mount Carmel, and he has this huge spiritual victory. And the next thing you know, he's running for his life because the queen, Jezebel, has put a contract out on his life. Everybody's trying to kill Elijah. He's running, run, 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 run. He gets so tired. He gets so tired. And by the way, when you're tired and hungry, your emotions will play more havoc in your life than normal. He actually cries out to God at one point. And he's like, God, I'm, I'm the, I mean, he's so emotional. He's like, I'm the only one left in the whole nation who loves you and who serves you. He felt like he was alone. He felt like he was the only one. He felt like the weight of the nation was on his shoulders. And God 
God challenges his feelings. He's like, are you kidding me? He's like, I have, I have hundreds of others who are still faithful and still serving me. You're not the only one. What he was feeling wasn't even true. Of course, when you're tired, when you're, when you're um, down and you're hungry and you haven't slept. By the way, there's a good study on the life of Elijah. Sometimes if you're, if you're overtired and you're overhungry, sometimes the, the number one thing, most spiritual thing for many of us to do, we just need a nap. Pastor Rick talked about that on your video just a few weeks ago when we were talking about physical rest. Some people just need a nap. Things will look a lot, you'll feel a lot different in the morning if you can get seven or eight hours of sleep. I won't teach on Elijah, I don't have time. What's the real reason that I feel this way? And is this feeling even true? In Elijah's case, it wasn't true. And then the third question is, is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Sometimes this is the simplest thing to ask. Is this feeling going to help me or hurt me? I'm feeling worried. Is this going to help me or hurt me? I'm feeling sad. Is this going to help me or hurt me? I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated. Is this going to help me or hurt me? Is what I'm feeling right now going to help me and help me to get what I really want in life or not? In other words, if I continue to feel this way, am I heading in the right direction or the wrong direction? A lot of feelings we have are natural, but... But they're also self-defeating. So you've got to name it. This is what I'm feeling. And, and here's the trigger. This is what triggered it. And then you've got to challenge it. And the reason that I'm feeling this way is this. And, and it's not even, is it even true? I don't even know if this is true. And then finally we've got to ask, is it helping me or is it hurting me? And the third thing we need to do is we've got to tame the feeling. Will you write that down? I've got to tame, tame the feeling. Or change it. I've got to change the feeling. How do I make the change in an emotion when it's an unwanted emotion? Last week we talked about managing our mind and talked about controlling our thoughts and refocusing our thoughts back on the things that are holy, the thing back on to God. This week we're talking about managing our heart. How do we if we want to succeed in life, how do I learn to become a master of my moods and not let my emotions run away or push me in the wrong, the wrong direction? So when we get these negative emotions, we really have two options. We can change it or we can channel it. Sometimes, first one for you to fill in, sometimes I need to change what I'm feeling. Some emotions are so destructive, they're so damaging, they're so hurtful, they're so non-effective that you've got to change the way you're feeling. Philippians 2.5 says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So our attitude, that includes our, our emotions, what we're feeling, our, what we're feeling should be the same as what Jesus would feel. So we can ask ourselves... How would Jesus feel in this situation? You know, if I was in this situation that I'm in right now, how would Jesus feel? Would Jesus be irritated at the waitress right now? No. Would Jesus be all mad because they didn't fill up my Diet Coke and they didn't bring me when they're shorthanded and they're working 10 different tables and five people called in sick today? That's what's going on in the restaurant world, you know? And, you're, and we're all rattling, rattling, rattling on our ice like they'll hear it and come running over. You know, is 
Is that how Jesus would feel? No. Would, you, would Jesus be yelling at this person? No. You know, this clerk that's a jerk? You know? That's what happens in my life. When someone's a jerk to me, I, there's something in me just jumps up and says, oh, this is a contest. I, I, I can win. I can be a bigger jerk than you. I can win this right away. You know, just like, I, I, I'm competitive. So would Jesus be competitive when he tried to out-jerk the jerk that's, that's across? No, he wouldn't. How about this one? Would, you, would, would Jesus be wringing his hands and worrying? Oh, I don't know. You know, would he? No, Jesus wouldn't be wringing his hands and worrying. That's all going to work out. Would Jesus be fearful in this situation? No. So the bottom line is, I've got to get rid of, I've got to dismiss, I've got to refocus away from these feelings that don't make me more like Jesus. Our attitude should be the same as Christ. So if I'm feeling an emotion and I've identified it, and I say, would Jesus be feeling this emotion? No. That's not the way I should be responding to my wife right now or my kids right now, or my boss right now. Sometimes I need to change. Other times I need to channel what I'm feeling. There are sometimes that those negative feelings you're feeling, that rather than change it, we need to rechannel it. What does that mean? It means we use it for good. For instance, let's say you've been the victim of injustice. Let's say you've experienced prejudice, maybe racial profiling. You got pulled over because of the color of your skin or because of your nationality. Or you've experienced unfairness in the classroom, unfairness because you're a man or unfairness because you're a woman, because people have natural prejudices or because you're a different color, because you're from, you speak a different language or whatever. And you've had some unfair in your life, something unfair happened. The natural emotion when you've been wronged is anger. The natural emotion when someone um, gives you injustice is to be angry about that. That's a legitimate response. That comes because God is angry at injustice. But you've got to ask yourself the question, is this anger going to get me what I want in life? Am I going to walk around in life angry all the time because people have done something different something unfair to me or i've experienced prejudice or i've i've a victim i'm a victim of in, injustice is this going to get me where i want to go probably not but my anger can be used for good if i use it to help other people all of a sudden if you've had something happen to you you can become a champion of injustice because you know what it means to have experienced in, injustice. Does that make sense? You, you take a negative emotion, anger. Look, when, when you use your anger for your benefit, we call that selfishness and sin. When you use your anger for someone else's benefit, ah, this is righteous anger. And this is what God, how God gets when he sees how his people treat each other sometimes anger itself is not a sin in fact the bible even says in scripture be angry and sin not it's what you do with your anger and it's the reason it's the reason for your anger and what you do with your anger that makes it sin or not you can get angry listen if someone hurts my wife i'm going to get angry 
That's a good thing. If someone hurts my kids, or good grief, if someone hurts my grandkids, you won't have to deal with me. You'll have to deal with Nancy's anger. Okay? Because, because we should get angry. There's righteous anger. Anger is sometimes an evidence of love. If you never get angry about anything, oh, I don't ever get angry about anything. You're just a blob. You're just apathetic. You don't care or love anything. Because if you love something, if you love someone, if something hurts them, then you're going to get angry. It's a natural thing. God gave that to you. Love gets angry. God gets angry. In fact, the only, the only reason we have the ability to get angry is because God get, gets angry. Did you know God gets angry? God gets angry at sin. God gets angry at evil. God gets angry when women are raped. God gets angry when children are molested. And we should too. God gets angry when there's racial injustice. And we should too. God gets angry when people are misused and trafficked and abused, and we should too. In fact, there's a definition in your 50-day book, um, devotion book, I think it was on day 12, 13, or 14, where it's talking about the fear of God, and it's a beautiful definition. The fear of God is loving what, learning to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And we should be just as upset and angry over the sin, those things that bother God, as he is. So what pain in your life are you using for good to help other people? Maybe you've been in so much pain for so long you just don't really want to you don't even want to think about it or talk about it. Well, you got to learn to manage those emotions. You got to name it and then you got to challenge it. And then you need to decide do I need to change it or do I need to channel it? In, in a direction of ministry and helping others to use it for good. Because God can use your pain. In fact, that's what he wants to do. He wants to turn your, minist- your misery into your ministry. He wants to use the worst thing that ever happened to you and redeem that. You're going to see that in your video this week as Pastor Rick teaches. He wants to redeem your pain and use that to help other people. Some of our greatest ministries... Our greatest strengths and successes can come out of those painful situations. Look, when, when you're naturally good at something, whatever, you're talented, you're gifted, you're a prodigy, you have some great skill on, on the ball field or the, or, or the court or whatever, people aren't impressed by that. They're like, well, yeah, you know, you can jump high and you run fast and you're coordinated, you, you do all that. People aren't impressed by that, but... When you can overcome some of your deficiencies and some of your weaknesses and some of the pain and the obstacles in your life, oh, we all want to hear that story. And we want you to keep telling the story. Not that I was, I've always been able to dunk a basketball, but man, you know, my, you know, I came from a broken home too, or I came from an abusive situation too, or I got out of a, a victim, a victimization too, or I had something to overcome too. People want to hear that story. They're encouraged. And you have, I overcame and, you know, God delivered me from addiction in my life. And they want to hear that story. So I either need to change these negative feelings. I've got to figure that out. Or I've got to channel those and tame that wild emotion. How do you do that? Well, I want to give you some good news and some bad news. It's, it's really good news. But at first, it seems bad. Because if I tell you how do you change the real answer is you can't change. 
You can't change yourself. We're in this 50 days of transformation. We've got to make sure we understand who's doing the transforming and who's being transformed. We're on the, we're being transformed. Who's doing the transforming? God does the transforming. He changes us. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, you can't willpower your way through change. You have to allow God's spirit to work in you. How do you do that? How do I tame a wild emotion? Let, my wild emotions, let me give you some final suggestions real quick. First of all, every day I ask God to fill me with his spirit. Every day I ask God to fill me with his spirit. In fact, when you sit up out of bed, before your feet even hit the ground, we should be praying, God, please fill me with your spirit today. Because it's not going to be my might, it's not going to be my power, it's not going to be by my willpower that I transform, that I'm able to master my emotions, that I'm able to deal with this stuff. It's going to be by your spirit that I'm going to be able to manage my moods and my emotions today. So we should pray that God fill me with your spirit. By the way, when God fills you with his spirit, how do you know you're filled with the spirit? Galatians 5.23 tells us the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You've heard this before. I've done a, a several series on this, Cultivate, a couple of years ago. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. There's nine fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. We can stop right there. I mean, just think how much better your life would be with love, joy, and peace in it. Mine would be better, yours would too, but there's nine. Love, joy, peace, patience. Anybody need that one? Kindness. You're kind when the Holy Spirit fills you. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I need that more gentleness in my life. And self-control. Circle self-control. That's the last one. Self-control comes from God control. The more I let God control my mind and my emotions, the more self-control I'm going to have. If, if you let the Holy Spirit fill your life and control your life, that's going to be a good thing. Your life is going to be a life with joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, which is a whole lot better than being filled with Anger, bitterness, worry, guilt, shame, and all these other things. The fruit of the flesh. Because here's what's going to happen. We're all going to know what's in you. Whether you're filled with the Spirit or you're filled with the flesh. And the reason we're going to know is because this world will squeeze it out of you. Just like, remember when I brought the toothpaste up here a couple months ago? I squeezed the toothpaste and said, what's going to come out of the toothpaste when I squeeze the toothpaste? And everybody thought it was a trick question, like, no, what's going to come out? Not peanut butter. Toothpaste. Why does toothpaste come out of toothpaste tube and not peanut butter? Because that's what's inside. And when the world squeezes you, when the pandemic squeezes you, when the finances squeezes you, when your relationships squeeze you, what's going to come out of you? We're all going to see whatever is inside. And if you have the Holy Spirit, fill me with your spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, or are you filled with yourself when you're going to have a life when you get squeezed? It's going to be worry. It's going to be fear. It's going to be doubt. It's going to be ego and all those other things. Life is going to squeeze you. You have to figure out, am I going to make a change? Am I going to let God make a change 
so that the right things are going to come out. When I'm full of God, you know, when I'm full of myself, almost anything can tick me off. When I'm full of God, almost nothing can tick me off. When I'm filled with love and joy and peace, it doesn't matter what happens. So first thing in managing my emotions is to be filled with the Spirit. Second thing, every day I ask God to manage my mouth. Manage my mouth. I wanted to get to this last week. We're talking about manage my mind and people were writing down, man, I'm just trying to manage my mouth. Well, that's the thing. The way you manage your mouth is by changing your heart, by changing what you're thinking about. But that should be our prayer sometimes every day is not only fill me with your spirit, Lord, but help me to zip it, right? The Bible says in a, multiple, in a multitude of words there is sin. In Proverbs 13:3, it says those who control their tongue will have a long life. Look at this verse. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Some people are like, hey, I've been looking for a life verse. I had no idea. I've been living that one my whole life. I've opened my mouth and ruined lots of things. The Bible says a rut, the tongue is like a rudder. It can turn your life in the direction that it wills. Last one. Aren't you glad I don't have time to teach on managing our mouth? I did that in James. Last one is every day I make God's word my word. And that means I've got to memorize some verses. I've got to have this in my heart. If it's in my heart, it's what will come out. I was in a small group this week, one of my small groups, and um, some, some girl said, uh, she's, she's a woman, said, um, you know, we were talking about mental, these tapes that have been playing in my, in my head, and she hasn't even been a Christian very long. But she says, you know, there's this verse I found that says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and God has a plan and purpose for my life. And she quotes this verse. And I'm like, she hasn't even been a Christian that long. It's like nine months or so. And and she's already taken the truth of God's word and defeating the lies that she's believed her whole life. And that's what we need to do. We need to make God's word my word. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Notice the, the connection between heart and mouth. Because what's inside your heart is what comes out of your mouth. That's what's scary to us. So God may need to give you a heart transplant. He's kind of in that business. He changes hearts, transforms hearts. So you need to pray and say, God, I need you to change my heart. Maybe your prayer is, I've got a bitter heart, or I've got a worried heart, or I've got an angry heart, or I've got a lonely heart. You've identified the, the, the emotion. I've got a prideful heart. I've got an arrogant heart, God. I, I've got a jealous heart, or I've got an envious heart. I've got an impatient heart. God, I need a heart transplant. And God is in the business of changing people's hearts. If you'll say, fill me with your spirit, you'll say, help me to control my mouth and help me to make your word my word in my heart. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, thank you that you are an emotional God. And I thank you that you've given us the ability to feel. Thank you, Lord, for showing us that every emotion is understood by you and that you can give us the power to change it or the power to channel it in the right direction. Now, why don't you pray and just say, dear Lord, I know that my feelings are often unreliable. I don't want to build my life on feelings. I want to build my life on your truth, your word. I don't want to be manipulated by other people or by the devil.
And I don't want to be manipulated even by my own old nature. But I want to be self-controlled and alert. And more than that, Lord, I want to please you. I want to do the things that please you. I want you to be the Lord of my emotions. I want to succeed in life by being controlled by your will and not by my feelings. So help me to practice what I've learned today. When I start to get upset, when I start to feel overwhelmed by very strong emotions, help me to name it. Help me to figure out why I'm really feeling what I'm feeling and what the trigger is of why I'm feeling this way. Help me to understand my emotions, where they come from. And then, Lord, help me to challenge my emotions, to not automatically accept them as the gospel truth, but to ask, is it true? And is it helpful? Is holding on to this emotion going to get me the result that I need, that I want? Help me to realize the real reason I'm feeling what I'm feeling. And then help me to change it or to challenge it. And help me to figure out what needs to be changed. And then channel what can be used for good. Dear God, right now, I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to develop the habit of asking you to fill me with your Spirit day by day, moment by moment. And then, Lord, most of all, I ask you to help me to manage my mouth. May I learn to put your words in my mouth and speak your word of truth and hide your word in my heart. It's in your name I pray, Lord. Amen. What a great message from Pastor Jerry on how to deal with how we feel. Thank you all for joining us this morning. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or even on our website to stay up to date about all of our events. I hope you all have a blessed week. See you next Sunday.